0: especially for the Southerners who are moving west. These are, these are the trails that they would have followed. This is the history of the Western migration of half of the United States went to Southern. They didn't, they didn't take the road.
1: One of the highlights of the trek for us was the four days the Dow and Lynn Wilson family joined us near Maricopa, Arizona. Having opted to participate as Cook's cadre, They hiked with all the period accoutrements, slept in 1846 tents, and cooked their own meals over the fire with replica Army-issue camp kettles. Bright and early Christmas morning, just after we had finished talking with our son Brian, who was on a mission in Mongolia, the Wilson family drove up to our rendezvous point in their Toyota Highlander. We were all amazed as we watched ten of them pile out of the car, and wondered how they had fit. In this episode, Lynn Wilson was kind enough to share her memories with us and the significance of the battalion story to American history. You'll also be able to hear Peter Gilbert, who was with us along that stretch, tell how fun it was to hike with the Wilson family and some of his memories about those days. I'm here today with Lynn Wilson and the reason I'm visiting with her today is in 2008 on Christmas day, she and her family came and joined my husband and I uh, along the Morning Battalion Trail and spent three days with us. And as this is 175th anniversary of the Morning Battalion and not very much has been done or written about or shared about the women's experience along the trail I wanted to try to interview some of the women that came with us and have had some insights about being on the trail with us and get their thoughts and so today we're very fortunate to have Lynn. She has a unique experience, Lynn you joined us on Christmas Day, you had your entire family plus your mother along so I'd like to ask how did you come up with the idea to spend your Christmas vacation part of it anyway with us.
0: Well, I'm a historian and at the Mormon History Association that year, there was a little flyer about your trip. And at least that's where I believe I saw the flyer. It may have been at another historical organization that I belonged to, but I um, saw it and I thought, oh, this is wonderful. I try to do service projects over Christmas. Some years were in the Dominican Republic at orphanages or other things. And my youngest was just um, eight years old at that time. She had just been baptized and My oldest was home from his mission, and so I thought it was a perfect year to try this. We're all um, wilderness backpackers, so we know how to sleep in a tent, and um, church history is my favorite type of history, um, or biblical history, and so this just brought it to life. I wanted them to be able to feel what their ancestors had done, even though we just joined them for such a short time. And I just have to thank you for not only putting it together, but also going back to the journals and seeing that on Christmas Day they had watermelon and you brought us watermelon so we could eat the same meals that they ate and walk in the same location that they walked and and it was just amazing. And I'm also very grateful that you didn't have us carry the watermelon. <laughs> that <you brought> <laughs> Well, now you
1: have an ancestor that was on the Moor battalion?
0: Yes, we did. Yes. Unfortunately, it wasn't one of the ladies. It was one of the men. Actually, I think we have more than one if you had my husband's side of the family too. Um, So it turned out to be a great family um, history experience for all seven of my children. And my mom was there who remembers many more of the stories and brought them in and gave us bedtime family history stories, which was a joy.
1: Oh, she was great.
0: And I believe she was 80.
1: Yeah, I think she was just yeah. barely yeah. home from her mission also, right?
0: Uh-huh. Her first mission as a widow, yeah.
1: Yeah, it so was. when you came up with the idea and went home with the flyer, what was the initial reaction of your children?
0: Well, I just assumed that we would go the week between Christmas and New Year's, and my husband's idea was to actually spend our Christmas there. Oh. <laughs> We celebrated Christmas on Joe Smith's birthday on December 23rd, and we celebrated Christmas with the Mormon Battalion and thought about how lonesome they would have been for their families on that day.
1: I thought it was great that um, learning the Battalion history as we walked along from my husband, I thought it was really fun and poignant that we were actually at the Christmas camp where they camped that night. That made it even more special for me, knowing that we were at the exact spot. Many times, you know, we're close, but that when we knew they were there. Tell me about how that impacted you as a mother, packing up your kids. What kind of preparation did you do? How did you fit all those people in that car to get them with their gear and all of you to the team?
0: No, you know, after we've lived in four countries. Um you learn how to do things in small spaces when you're outside of the United States, so that's that's not <laughs> that wasn't a challenge. Yeah, yeah, that that's not a problem. My kids are used to me packing them away and doing things. <laughs> but for, fortunately for us, um, they love being together. My kids uh, have not had a problem with that. And it was, it was, um, it was the day of hiking all day in the rain and the mud that was um, hard to keep everyone's spirits up. It wasn't getting in the car to get there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and you should all know that Lynn arrived in rain, it was cold, yeah. and it rained the whole day. Yeah. yeah.
0: You no, know, It was just so much more of a real experience than we expected, which was good. None of us had toothaches, none of us had um, GI problems by then. I just thought, oh, no, no, it's still, this is just rain. We don't have, you know, a sprained ankle yet. We don't have half of the problems that were there. We aren't carrying all the dirty laundry and everything else that the women would have been helping with. And I just was so grateful to your preparations. The other thing that surprised me and I when I go backpacking, I go to REI and I get the dehydrated food. It we were so hungry every time we stopped and it took so long to get that meal ready. You know, I just was reminded, no, when you're gathering the wood, It's very dark by the time you're finally eating your meal and then doing the dishes afterward, you are ready for bed and you can sleep anywhere um, after that long, long, long day. And the other thing that surprised me is how much more cautious you have to be when cooking over an open fire. I burned my skirt. Um, Yes, you know, I, I, I wore a skirt. I had my youngest, the eight year old was wearing a skirt. And two of my daughters wore skirts and two chose not to, but <laughs> those of us that wore our skirts, had a problems with the fires, you know. It was yeah. It's a little tricky. Yeah.
1: It's also a little interesting to try to fix dinner without paper towels.
0: <laughs> but I could yeah. do a few other things that I needed paper for, too.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of your mom and cooking one of the fun things for me for my memories was watching your young girls look at the food and think, oh, how are we going to get dinner out of this? And how are we going to make our biscuits and our cornbread? And, and so that was fun. Can you just share a little bit about how that came about with your mom?
0: My mom just loved every minute of it. And um, she is unique in that she was raised by a forest ranger. So even though she is um from you know the 20th century uh, she did not have running water or electricity in her homes she was raised in the forest and so and she was she lived in the areas of southern arizona where we were hiking so for her she the forest when she lived in the forest it was in um snowflake north of snowflake area but for many of her years she was in southern arizona So, so this for her was just coming to her childhood and she wanted to make it that way for my young daughters and would tell them stories and she immediately jumped in and said this is how you do it without your mix master and this is how you do it without this and this is how you you and um her mission had been in brazil and she didn't have all of the equipment that she needed in the missionary apartments and she used what was there even if it was a stick outside she'd go and wash it and use that you know i mean and that's exactly how i found she just had no problem cooking with fewer ingredients and fewer utensils. She just dove in and made that bread. And the girls, of course, were relishing every minute with their grandmother.
1: Oh, and they were so proud when they came and showed us what they'd made (laughs) and that it had actually worked and people were eating it. Yeah. So (laughs) that was really fun. That was a fun I
0: think we were a little spoiled on the food, maybe because it was Christmas um, but you really provided plenty. I, I don't think anyone went to bed hungry, even my my three teenage boys. I don't think anybody went to bed hungry.
1: Just one question back to the mother and trying to encourage the kids on the day that it was raining.
0: I did what I read in journals. We sang, we um, stopped and played, and you can see on that very, very basic level of what a what music does to the heart and the spirit. Even in times, you, you can choose um, not to, but you'll, you'll notice a change of heart when it does happen. When you sing the songs that um, are of good cheer, it changes the heart. It was really sweet. And we're musicians. So my kids um, feel strongly about music and perhaps that's one reason why it had such a miraculous way of fixing things. But our sweet primary songs about the primary children singing um, were put into practice.
1: Well one of the pictures that I just smiled at was your husband had one of your daughters by the hand and he was holding her hand and walking along on the trail and I thought that's a sweet image of trying to help her along even though she was smiling and having a good time it was still a great uh, image.
0: just a fabulous experience and I would do it again any day Next time you're doing it, sign me oh, up. Good.
1: <laughs> so if So if there was going to be something like this planned for the 175th where people could walk part of the trail, maybe not dress up and have the food provided exactly like you did, what do you think?
0: And the muskets. I mean, you had everything. You had the whole regime. You had the tin cups that we had to put lard in after each meal so they wouldn't rust. I mean, you guys had a fabulous trip. <laughs>
1: That's true. People may not know that, but as part of what Lynn's family did is they came and signed up to be what we called Cook's Cadre uh, along the trail. So they had all the equipment, all the gear, they had replica guns, and they cooked out of mess tins just exactly that were fabricated to be 1846 authentic and mess cups and tins. So it it was the real deal. But sign me up again. I'm down. Speaking of your three teenage boys, the night we got to Christmas camp, we lost one
0: um Can you tell a little bit about your feelings? Oh, yes. So I had a runner and hiking ten hours ten miles in the rain um was he, he came up to me after dinner and he said, Mom, I haven't been running today. <laughs> I just burst into laughter. I said, Honey we've been hiking all day in the mud. And he said, but I haven't been running, I need to run. And I said, okay, just always stay within view of the campfire. And uh, that um, went in one and out the other and um, he got lost. And his brother went with him and his brother two years older said, uh, we are outside of the campfire. I am going back. I cannot see. You may think that's a campfire light, but I'm not sure that's the campfire light. I'm going back. And his big brother left him. And um, I'm afraid the big brother got a little talking to as well as the little one for going too far. I mean, they weren't that little. He was 14 and 16, you know, <laughs> but um, the the hour of looking for him um, turned out to be a moment of faith for him because he did realize he was lost. And the wadis had too many forks and he didn't remember which wadi he had come down and, um, or the dried out creek beds, whatever um, they're called. And so he went to the highest point he could find and he got on his knees and he asked the Lord to direct him to know which way to go. And he turned around and ran Another 45 minutes or so until he came back to the campfire, but he had run for two hours. And I believe, if you can help me remember, I think we were calling for professional help to find him by that point. Is that right? My husband thought we had called the police or something. I don't know if, anyway, after two hours of running, um, he had had a long enough run. And he still runs almost every day, rain or shine, snow or sleet.
1: (laughs) We were in a very uh, remote part of the trail at that point. I mean, we could have gotten to town. Like you say, we could have called the police. But out there, there's really no landmarks. It's just sagebrush and the, the terrain and the vegetation that's there. There's no hilltops, really there's some inclines,
0: but not really
1: big things that you could climb on where we were.
0: I take mm-hmm. um, my Stanford Institute students to Israel every year. And one time we were doing a 10K on a mountainside on Elijah's uh, Mount Carmel, and, and, we, and we lost two people and I had to bring the helicopters and the police in. So I have <laughs> lost people before on runs and I have stopped doing my 10K off of Mount Carmel. And um, I've stopped telling my son he can run anywhere he wants. Um, He has to run in the morning kind of thing when it's light. (laughs) But he's now a a happily married, a little bit more wise, I hope. But oh, I am grateful for prayer. And I thought that experience was probably quite similar to those maybe who had gone out looking for food or those who had gone out looking for um, locations and where should we go next and I just thought this is really part of the desert there are not a lot of lands everything looks just about flat desert and it's very difficult to tell where you are and you do get turned around and it was it was a very I felt like it was we actually walked into history at that point and said this is probably what happened over our ancestors history of not just in the mormon battalion but as they crossed
2: the plains can I use that phrase walk into history
0: yes 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 <laughs> Walk in the history is what i do every day i am a historian
1: <laughs> one last question you were talking about how you could understand how the people could get lost even the guides
0: oh, yes. were out
1: there and there were people there that um there were places on the trail that kevin and i both looked at each other and said we're glad we weren't guides um at this part because it was the
0: yes with your map with your truck
1: (laughs) and so um how was it to have kevin as a guide as you were walking along the trail
0: yeah no i felt complete for me it was just follow the leader i didn't have a thing to worry about it was great i felt very secure in having somebody who knew the trail as my guide you were like a more Italian wife. You didn't have to worry
1: about it. You didn't have a Colonel Cook's experience. You had a woman <laughs> following the wagons experience.
0: Oh, I wasn't in the dust, but I was often in the back so I <laughs> with my mom, who was slower than my eight-year-old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, she was sure a good sport, and that's neat. That I didn't realize, I guess, that she had been sharing those stories with your family as you were um, doing that.
0: She is our church historian. Yeah
1: guess that's not my last question that makes me think you were talking about it at night did you have any thoughts about sleeping five to a tent with your blankets did you have
0: sleeping bags i can't it remember was it was cold all of us all nine of us ten of us in one tent and we still might have been cold we would have loved to, it was chilly i had no problem with five in a tent because <laughs> we were there in the winter and it was raining you know we were cold
1: it was i've got pictures of you trying to dry out your clothes and I don't know how they did, got all those things dry before they had to head out the next morning. Because many times they left early in the morning before the sun came up.
0: I don't think they were dried when they left. They always smelled they. like smoke. Their teeth always, and their eyes always were stinging. And yeah, I, I think yeah. it's such a good way to put life in perspective to see what kind of pain was part of everyday life.
1: Do
0: you have any thoughts or memories about? Um, hiking
1: with the Wilson family on Christmas day over to Oatman flat.
2: Oh, that was, that was a fun day, or at least, well, we didn't go all the way to Oatman's flat, but anyway, yeah, we were, that was a fun day. The, the family was just really, uh, a, a, you know, really fun to be with, you know, they're really a fun family and, and uh, really got into the, into the, into everything that was going on. So that was kind of neat sharing some of the history with them.
1: We were able to interview um, Lynn Wilson, the mother of the crowd, Oh, and we'll be able to, we'll be putting that up before Christmas so people can hear about their experience in Christmas camp and,
2: and well, our yeah. time with them. That was an excellent one. You know, the, the guys that do the reenacting of, you know, walking into in the camp with a big fire going and everything else and, and talking about their experiences and stuff. That was really, really fun.
1: Yeah, we had a guy there who was, I, I don't know how to describe it. I guess in my mind, he was kind of like the keeper of Christmas camp from the Mormon Battalion Association and he knew the history of the time they spent there. We had a really hard time getting access to that part. Kevin had to submit permits to the BLM and they were limiting um, the numbers of people that could come in. And so it was just so nice to be able to have him. One of the big concerns for that area was fire. We could not have any fires. And this gentleman came and brought these hands basically that we could build fires in and thank heavens because it was really cold and those family members had hiked in the rain all day long they were cold yeah and so and wet so that was just a really neat thing too as that part of that evening to have him be there and tell his stories
2: yeah we need to have fire just so you guys can see where we were (laughs) Mm -hmm. where our camp was but the next day out of there walking from there over through, what was it uh Butterfield Gap or whatever it was, that, that day walking from there was a nice, beautiful day and through the desert and they had, we were walking along a trail and you could look down and see where the scouts had put up signposts every so often showing where the where they thought the trail was and um, and going through that little pass there. They had all the beautiful saguaros on it and everything else. I really enjoyed that that little time with them. That was really fun. Yeah, that was a really pretty spot kind of desolate but pretty in its own way kind of kind of
1: i don't know if you remember but we really had been scheduled to hike through the city on those days if we were going to go sequentially in order we would have been hiking through the cities but we um, planned to take them to this more remote area and as part of that we needed to scout it out right and figure out where we were going to camp and how we were going to move the vehicles and get the equipment in that we needed to and so We did it and everything was fine and i'm directionally challenged to begin with kevin's the map guy but the next day was the day that they hiked and it rained that day and do you know that when i and this other fellow were trying to move the vehicles i could not find the road because it was green in one day the grass had started growing up on that road and i just kept telling him no this does not look like the road that we scouted out yesterday and sure enough it was finally i turned down it and then i saw that all these little tiny blades of grass or green were growing i got down on my hands and knees and took a picture of that because i had never seen anything <laughs> grow that fast
2: yeah that that in the ocotillo i guess except for that rainstorm i think about it Week later, all the Ocotillos started coming out with all their little their their leaves on their, their branches too. So that was really kind of neat to see. I like Ocotillo anyway, but.
1: It was a pretty place. I loved that stretch of the trail. And like you said, they were just a delightful group to have. And once they were the only group that we ever had that came and wanted to use all the gear and the equipment and have the full blown battalion experience, so.
2: Yeah, the first day they wanted their packs and, and muskets. second day, for some reason, they didn't want them anymore, so I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, one of the things I thought was funny was Lynn told me that, um, you know, the, the utensils, the pans, the eating pans that we had in the cups, the tin cups, they had to be lightly greased with shortening or lard oh. every time you used them. She said, oh, yeah, we decided... We weren't going to do that. We just started sharing. <laughs> we didn't want to go to all that effort. So we would just take turns eating. <laughs> I don't
2: know about that part.
1: So very, very clever, resourceful group.
2: <laughs> lazy. Resourceful. lazy. Seeing, those, seeing all those people come out of that car, it's like, oh, my gosh, they're still coming out. Reminds me of the clown thing, you know, where you see all these people all getting out of this little teeny car. It's like, oh, my gosh, how'd they get out there that way? It was amazing. exactly exactly the same way we describe it. It's just astounding just watching it.
1: <laughs> and I actually did ask her about that. When I talked to her, I said, you know, the thing that was amazing to me was you just kept coming out of that car. <laughs> I was like, how on earth did you get everybody and your gear in that car? <laughs> I kept looking at the pictures and thinking, wow, you know, they really didn't have that much like with them, but they had what they needed. So they were yeah. experienced. They were fully prepared with winter hats
2: and yeah. things. So yeah, it was we, cool. Yeah, we needed them that following day when we had, we camped over there at the Petroglyph Park. And um, I mean, it was flat, cold, like freezing. We got a nice fire going. But man, one side was roasting, the other side was was freezing. <laughs> but it was such a beautiful night that night. I didn't want to go to, go into the tent because just the stars were so bright that night. There wasn't any light pollution anywhere near there. And it was just just really kind of a neat experience. Very much so, yes.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the nights that you could feel the cold coming up through the ground. I remember that, thinking, oh my gosh, they only had wool blankets. Yeah, they
2: had each other, other basically. They were snuggling together, you know, like it or not.
0: Yeah, you can imagine and how friends. much fun
2: that was, not having any showers or any yeah. kind of uh, cleaning, <laughs> and then all you know, walking all day and hiking all day and working all day, and then having to to uh, be stuck together in that tent. I think they were stuck together. Yes, <laughs> probably were frozen together.
1: Lynn said when I talked to her, I asked her how they felt about sleeping five to a tent. She said, "Well, that one night when it was so cold, we would have been happy to have ten of us in a tent." <laughs> <laughs> I noticed from the pictures that, and I had forgotten this, that you came with your family for the first two days, and then the third day we were joined by other families for a segment of the trail. How did that change your experience to have a larger group?
0: So jolly. It was just a happy, happy time. My kids immediately um, made instant new friends and talked to them about their experience so far and welcomed them on i just thought of zion's camp when joseph's first group of 100 are joined by another group and you know they just immediately become unified in what they're doing and their goals are the same to reenact part of history and to understand i i thought it was fabulous to have
2: and I just remembered one of your girls had a, ru- a former roommate show up, didn't she?
0: Oh, I forgot that entirely. You're right. Yes. I forgot that until <laughs> just this very moment myself. Yeah, that's right. She, I believe they had been um, the freshman dorm together, somewhere in the dorm.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like bumping into the Mississippi Saints partway down the trail and finding someone that you knew from Nauvoo. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, the Lord's miracle of timing and putting people in the right place at the right time.
1: From the perspective of walking into history, you know that only five women were actually with the battalion at the point where we hiked on the trail. So you've had a unique experience. None of those women that we know have kept contemporary journals. At least we've not been able to find them. And so this year is, for me, a desire that I have in my heart is to try to give women a a sense of what it might be like, what have been like. So if you could just speak to that for a minute from your experience, that'd be great.
0: Well, I wish it really were from my experience, but I didn't do any of the laundry. And I believe most of them were laundresses. Yes. And um, hauling the water and having your hands in that scalding and very, very strong soaps and the clothing being so heavy, I just feel those women were buff. Those women were strong and determined. And, you know, after hiking the whole time, they have hours and hours of work ahead of them. And it just blows me away at the determination and the, the fact that they would give up that kind of a sacrifice in order to be with their spouses or their fathers or whatever their relationship was with the men on the trip that had them come. I presume that there was also a little bit of remuneration from the government that not only did they provide for the men, but they also provided for the laundresses and the cooks or whatever. But most of the men helped him with the cooking too. So I I assume in a a position like what they were in, that there was less, less gender definition of, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna stir the soup, that's not my role. I presume they were all on the level of starvation. They were oh, so They wanted to do anything they could to help, but if they needed to go gather the water, they went and got the water, you know. I I think but where did they come up with the water to do the laundry? Exactly. In the wintertime we were fortunate because, you know, we could have put out buckets to collect the water on the back of the wagon and things like that. But laundry takes so much water when you're when you're washing dozens of heavy, heavy wool winter uniforms and jackets and, you know, they got them a lot dirtier than we do now, but you had to have that hot water and the lye soap. I I just um, really appreciate the sacrifices of those women to continue on. And you said at this point of the journey, how many women were there on the other part of the journey? How many women came on the Mormon battalion?
1: were over a hundred women and children (gasps) when you think about that from a military standpoint that's very very unusual
0: on Um, that long long i mean hundreds of miles
1: and you have children uh, and so of course it's interesting to me the number of women i'm not exactly sure i think it's around 30 okay maybe more but the um closer to 40 kevin says but one of the things I think is very interesting is why they came, right? And that's why people ask me, why did you come with your husband? Why didn't you just stay home? And those women had different reasons. You know, Melissa Coray, which people are most familiar with, I think, said, well, I don't want to be left behind. If he can march, I can march. And yet
0: some women... Now, you know, is uh, Melissa related to Martha? Because Martha was a scribe of the prophet, Joseph. I don't know. that is... One of one of our best scribes. We have five really really good scribes, and then three or four that weren't quite as as consistent. Martha is one of the best. Huh. Huh. Wilfred Woodruff, um, Frederick G. Williams. Yeah, Martha is right up there.
1: Curry was her married name. So the yes. fifth. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but then some of them were asked by their husbands to come, because their husbands wanted them to come. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them signed up. I'm sure for like you said the monetary. It was a way to support their families. Like, you have to think those women were out there in wagons and didn't know what was going to happen to them. They had already decided they weren't going to make it to Salt Lake, right?
0: And the other thing I kept thinking of is that period of time, if you had a healthy body and uh, you were female, there is a chance you could conceive on that trip and be going through your pregnancy as you're traveling those kind of distances, which is exactly what, Many, many, many generations of women have all done, but it just took my breath away realizing, okay, you start out with just two little kids and you end um, carrying your newborn.
1: Right. Actually, one of the more Italian wives um, gave birth in San Diego, and that was the first white child born in San Diego. It was a lot of um, dusty travel. They walked most of the time. And some of their older children had to help with the teams and cooking and, and watching the younger children, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. There's no. There, although I just have to step back because I don't feel like um, coddling a child is always the best thing during their younger years. Um, having them join in and be part of the team and part of the real work, I do not think... Uh, develops anything bad about a child. Now, if we go to the extreme of child labor laws and, you know, that kind of thing it's different. But I feel like that is why I wanted to bring my children. I wanted them to have an experience of real sacrifice and of understanding what a blessing it is to have running water and what a blessing it is to have electricity. I I just feel so many things are not taken for granted when you are able to step back in those moccasins of history
1: what would you say to the women of today if you could share something that would be helpful for them
0: especially during this year where life has been a little bit different in 2021 with covid or 2020 now 2021 uh it is such a blessing to take perspective just to remove ourselves and take a bird's eye view from a historical setting and see what life was like for women before. I, I love feeling unity amongst my gender from the earliest time of history down to myself. And every woman on that trip had to deal with a lot of the female issues that we always have challenges with. And it was such a unifying feeling um, for me, saying this is how most women lived throughout the history of the world. I just loved it. I loved it. I guess from
1: a historian perspective, since it is the 175th anniversary and having studied church history, the Mormon battalion trail is somewhat of a an oddity when it comes to talking to people about the Mormon battalion. They are not as familiar with the battalion as they are with the handcart treks and the pioneer treks. And so from your perspective, why is the Mormon Battalion something that we should pay attention to in our history? Not only for the LDS, but also communities and towns that are along the trail. It,
0: we, I, I, even though there were no um, battles, they didn't have any problems with the war, this is, this is a war field that they're walking in. This is part of our, our American war history. And I feel like any Texan and any Californian should have a real affinity to this excursion because it it came, you know, our states were built around the events of the Mormon Battalion, as well as Arizona and and New Mexico as the trail passes through their borders. But um, I feel like um, this is American history as much as Lewis and Clark, Uh, you know, this is American history, and especially for the southerners who are moving west, these are, these are the trails that they would have followed. These, And I remember, do you remember when, you probably have a picture of it, when we saw the rust in this wagon um, carved um, section of a rock, it had made so many times through that there was actual rust there in the rock from that wagon. I just feel like um, this is the history of the western migration of half of the United States went the Southern route. They didn't They didn't take the Northern route. And um, this right. is really significant, not only if your state was part of the route, but you're from Michigan. You probably have your own feelings about it, but I feel like um, we have the Mormon Battalion to thank for much of the history in early San Diego and um, late Texas and Arizona, early Arizona. I mean, these people are there far before Brigham says, Go down to Arizona and dig a well. <laughs> it might need to be deep though.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because people don't really realize as they're traveling those roads. And as they look at a United States map, the southern border of the United States is the road, the boundary is the road the Mormon Battalion created. And that's the road, the trail that the Forty Niners and a lot as you said, a lot of the southern routes took. So it was a very significant route, and they helped build it. So that's something people don't realize as well.
0: And then after the war is ended, and they're released in um, San Diego, I mean, they have to go up to San Francisco, and of course, that's where they discover gold. That's the forty, that's the Sutter's Mill, and all the good stories there about the Mormon Battalion men are, are the ones who are opening that doorway. So it really is very linked to American history
1: it is it's got a wide expanse it covers the whole country actually thank you so much for taking time with us today and i really appreciate hearing your stories it's just great to reconnect with you and see you and
0: we would love to share all the photos that we have with you great i would love it love it love it god bless you
1: do you wonder what it's like to hike at night along the trail Peter and Kevin were joined by Kevin's former missionary companion, Mark Woodbury, to participate in the never-to-be-forgotten El Centro Night Hike. Watching the happy reunion of these missionary companions made me think of Alma and the sons of Mosiah from the Book of Mormon. There was true rejoicing to see, and in this case after 34 years, that, quote, "...they were still brethren in the Lord, yea, and they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth." You'll hear more from Mark and his wife Becky about their time in San Diego and at the end of the podcast segments. We'll have them give you an update about the famous battalion trek Port.